You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everyone, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. I want to apologize that we unexpectedly ended up taking a couple of weeks off from our weekly podcast. My family suffered an unexpected tragedy a couple of weeks ago. We lost my wife's brother, Kenny, very unexpectedly. So we had to run out to Missouri, where Kenny lived, to be with our family and get through this very difficult time. It's been a challenging experience for all of us to find footing and just get back on track with our lives. And I just ask that you please keep Kenny and our family in our prayers in the coming weeks and months. And I do want to thank all of you who have reached out to us during this very difficult time. I'm not sure how anyone gets through something like this without faith. But thank God we have our faith in God and uh, we have each other to get through this. I'm extremely grateful to all of you. Thank you. But on a brighter note, over the past two weeks, Changing Our World has participated in the first ever online version of the International Catholic Stewardship Conference. And it's been an interesting experience. It was great to meet many of you who participated. And it also gave us an opportunity to record several podcast discussions, which I'll be playing for you over the next few weeks. And so that leads us to today's episode. Today, our guests are Aaron Woolley, Vice President for Institutional Advancement for Chestnut Hill College in Chestnut Hill, Pennsylvania, and our own Anna Vallez, Senior Director for Changing Our World. Aaron is actually my client, and this past spring, we worked together to transition her annual gala into an online event. And I know that many of you have been working on making the same type of transition, and so it's a pretty hot topic right now. And so I'm going to play Aaron's presentation and just let you know that if you'd like to watch it online, you can click on the show notes and watch the full video presentation and the slide deck on our website. And so without further ado, here is turning your gala into an online event. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to ICSC Conference Day 2. So glad that you're joining us this morning on the Catholic Schools track. I want to go ahead and say that at the end of the presentation, we will have a time for question and answer. So if you have any questions throughout the presentation, please submit them with the chat function in Zoom. All right. So welcome to How to Turn Your Gala into a Virtual Event session. I'm your host, Amanda Kepshire, Senior Marketing Manager at BlackBaud. BlackBaud is the world's leading cloud software company powering social good. Uh, we provide cloud software, services, expertise, and data intelligence. And we serve the entire social good community, including nonprofits, foundations, healthcare, education institutions. I work with our faith organizations and specifically in the Catholic world. So it's great to be with you. Before we start, let's go ahead and begin with prayer, with our conference prayer. Um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, gracious and loving God, we gather in your name to draw from a wellspring of wisdom that will enrich our lives and the lives of those we love and serve. Through this networking, sharing of ideas, and discernment, they'll lift us up. Open our eyes. Lead us into an encounter with your Son on higher ground where we will be drawn to moments of epiphany deeper self-awareness, and profound grace. In these times of uncertainty and stress, do not abandon us, but pour out your spirit upon us so that its power becomes our power. Make us good stewards of what we take away from here and inspire us to proclaim the gospel without shame, offer hope to others, and give glory to you in every word we speak and action we take. 
We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this morning, it is my pleasure to introduce our presenters, Anna Valles and Aaron Woolley. Anna is a senior director at Changing Our World, and Aaron is vice president for institutional advancement at Changing Our World. Anna and Aaron, thank you so much for being here, and I'll go ahead and pass the mic to you both. Good morning, everyone. We're so very excited to be here and to be um, able to present uh, a very successful um, some very successful efforts that began at the beginning of the year. And Changing Our World was very fortunate to, to, to be able to assist uh, Chestnut College. And um, even though we've had some uncertain times, uh, the strategies of fundraising are still there and they still work. It's just a matter of how we communicate those strategies to our community at large. Um, we've heard lots of words about canceling uh, events uh, in lieu of the pandemic. And we've also added other words to our vocabulary like adapt and like pivot. And I am so happy to be able to um, present and introduce Aaron Woolley, who is a proof of, of a successful um, fundraising effort that began what back in April, Erin, and she's going to share this with you today. We'll have plenty of time for questions. Um, I give you Erin Woolley. Thank you very much, Anna. I am honored to be here with all of you today to share our story of transitioning our 11th annual scholarship gala into the Hold Hope High Scholarship Challenge. So a little bit about Chestnut Hill College, founded in 1924 by the Sisters of St. Joseph. We were founded as an all-women's college and went co-educational in 2003. Now, we offer a values-based education as a liberal arts college. We have three schools, undergraduate, uh, adult accelerated, and graduate school with almost 1,700 students. Today, we are a microcosm of the global society. As I mentioned, this was our April 25th was supposed to be our 11th annual scholarship gala. And as you know, the pandemic and uh, quarantine started in about mid-March. Our gala is the largest fundraiser for the college, and it supports students with financial needs, very deserving students that need help to earn their degree at Chestnut Hill College. Our theme was celebrating the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote, and we had five prominent female leaders from the greater Philadelphia area as honorees. We spent eight months planning, fundraising, every detail, wonderful committee, and we knew something had to change, and it had to change fast. What I would say are four key factors to the actual decision to make that transition. March 23rd was our first committee meeting, but it came down from our president, Sister Carol Jean Vale, and she said, we must do this for our students. Our mission calls us to provide the resources that our students need to get an education they deserve. We must be here for them. And our gala committee chair took that on as a personal challenge and said, Sister, I, we will do this for you and we will find a path forward and make this happen. So leadership having a role and have supporting you um, is very important. The other part is being grounded in mission. Several times we went back to the drawing board on our messaging and the committee was excellent. We have a committee of 10 and we went back to them a couple of times and they just said, this doesn't feel right. And it doesn't, this shouldn't be festive because we tried to make the in-person event into a virtual gala. And that's why we chose the software we did because we wanted to keep the auction feature of it. But we had to go back to our mission. And I think as Catholic institutions, we can do that because that's who we've always been. That's what we were founded on, were the, the values-based education. And for us, that's 
Chestnut Hill College, what that looked like was going back to a maxim from the Sisters of St. Joseph, in everything you attempt, hold hope high. And that's how we came up with the Hold Hope High Scholarship Challenge. It just felt very fitting for the moment we were in, the crisis the country was facing and people were facing, and how families were being affected, but also recognizing that the need was there, the need was real, and the need was getting exasperated by the situation we found ourselves in. So what was the right message and how do you balance that? Because you have to be very careful when you're in a time of crisis, but you have to find a way to move forward and to persist in that. And then the last bullet point here is a committed team. I have a team of 10, including myself, and every single person was committed to making sure that this happened. We worked nights, we worked weekends, and as a group, we worked together to bring all these pieces together. So really, we looked at a pivot, and that's what we needed to do. How can the Gallup pivot to support the needs of our students in this pandemic? We had a goal of 300000 and we kept that, and that supports student scholarships. Continued participation for our honorees. We actually were working with Changing Our World on um, a campaign, and we're in the quiet phase right now. But we took some of the strategy that we were planning for that and implemented it into the virtual fundraiser. And we actually brought on Changing Our World to help us successfully execute this um, because we had a five-week time frame from when we first met as a gala committee to when April 25th was. So we had five weeks to make everything happen. Social media is one of the most important parts. And you'll see as I go through this conversation, um, there's a lot of strategy behind this. But really looking at social media, and I put three images here. The first one is great. We feature a student. But it didn't say as much as the second, the second image here does. And our committee members came back to us and said, you know, it's really great that you have this picture and you have some messaging on your Facebook and Instagram, but how can you make it more compelling? And one of the challenges in a virtual fundraiser is every day, what is that something new that people are going to be connected with that's going to inspire them to give? And for us at Chestnut Hill College, it's the story of our students. There's nothing better than featuring the impact that your institution has on their lives and to bring that to life somehow through social media. So I would, this was a good start. And we were kind of building the airplane as we flew it because we had such a short time frame. But we grew in the process. And that's okay. Um, you know. We didn't get the messaging right at first, but we figured it out, and we worked our way through some of the challenge that we, challenges that we had in the process. And then the last one you see here um, is Crystal Cly. Um, she is an NBC meteorologist, and she was our MC for the event. And she went and she made a video supporting our event that she made herself. She posted it to the NBC website. It was posted to the college's website, and she also reposted our social media posts. So to have that type of support was absolutely wonderful, and it helped generate the awareness. This actually went viral. So it was really nice to see all these little pieces working in tandem together. But again, if you're able to use social media to go back to your mission and keep people interested day in and day out, why is this important? So we already had already sent out all of the invitations for our gala. Um, we had the mailers, we had our corporate solicitations, our packets, everything had already gone out. So what we did was make a postcard so that people were aware and mailed that to more than 15,000 alumni, friends of the college, and all of the honoree um, invitees. They had their own guest list as well, so we had to transition that. We went back and talked to all of our sponsors and ticket holders, and we had secured over $60,000 by this time, and said, would you mind donating your sponsorship to the Hold Hope High Scholarship Challenge or your tickets? And really, every person that we talked to was was more than happy to transition their sponsorship or ticket purchase uh, in support of the, the scholarship challenge. 
but we have five weeks to make this happen. So, you know, what are all the planning? And I will say um, something that's really important to be aware of is the amount of effort that you put into your in-person event is the same effort that you're going to put into your virtual event. Mm-hmm. It's just going to look a little different in how it's executed. So making sure that you're just as prepared. So we had to research, purchase, and learn how to use an online fundraising software. This was new to Chestnut Hill College. It is not something we had ever done before. So that was one person's job because there's so many options. We had to develop um, a new design concept and branding because what we had, as you saw in the second slide, was the gold and celebrating our hundredth, um, the hundredth anniversary of the women's right to vote. It just didn't fit anymore. We had to build a website. And thank goodness we had somebody, and this is important, somebody on your team that is technologically savvy. No matter what fundraising software you use, there is a technology component to it. So to have somebody who's really good at that is important because you're going to move fast. Things are going to change. There's a lot of questions. So have that point person on your team. New messaging. And as I said, grounded in mission and being very conscious of what's going on around you in society and how does your message fit within that, but still ask. Developing a new fundraising strategy. We took team captains, and we'll get a little bit more into this, to help us implement really a full court press. How many people could we get involved? Because we couldn't do this alone. We identified student and faculty to feature in videos. And again, this goes back to every day, how are you going to share your story in a compelling way? And so we were very deliberate in which students um, that we selected. And our faculty, we work with our faculty and staff on recommendations. Who are you working with? Who's a great student to highlight? Who has a good story? And Changing Our World helped us. They did all the interviews via WebEx and recorded them. Um, And that's how we got the videos. And same thing with our faculty. Some of our long-standing faculty members, we have um, a sister who's been with the college for over 50 years. And for alumni to see her, they knew her and the connection was there. And her story was so moving. Finding a new way to engage our honorees, that was important as well. And developing a timeline and schedule for coordinating messages across all mediums. You'll see this is going to move quickly because you have to set a time frame and you're going to will have different audiences. So how do you communicate with each one in the most meaningful way? And so you're going to have to make sure that all these different elements are coordinated. When is the email going out to who and what's it going to say? And then the same thing is how do you coordinate the social media with that? Maybe your main website uh, you're going to post on there as well. And if you have your fundraising website, so all these different components, how are they working together? So team captains helped drive success. We had 22 team captains. And how we did this was we started with our class president and correspondent. So for every year a class graduates, they have a president and correspondent. And this is really where the majority of peer-to-peer fundraising occurred. And this is where we realized our greatest success. There's nothing better than a friend asking a friend to participate. And that's what drove the success of this. And you can see we have all aboard. That was our board members, the CanDo 60s. We had representation across all class years. Uh, faculty and staff participated. Uh, we had friends, which was Team Griffin. And you can just see through the different names. Each team had their own page. And it was very dynamic. You could post photos. Um, you could you know, talk to each other, kind of like you do on Facebook or other social media mediums. You could use that to post to your social media page to say, hi, you know, I made a gift or support us. So there was a lot of interactivity there, which was great. And I will say when we, we first went live, we thought we went live and uh, two classes, the 80s and 90s, both had their pages set up and we didn't actually click that button to transition it to go live. So we had to go back and say, we're so sorry. We actually lost everything. Within two hours, both teams had everything reposted. And it was really great. They were with us 
they understood that the college was doing this for the first time. They knew that there were going to be some bumps in the road, and they supported us the whole time. We had open conversations and worked together. It was really a collaboration. And another thing we did with our team captains is we brought them together and we had a Zoom meeting with all of the team captains and all of our institutional advancement staff and Jim from Changing Our World. And we came together and just had a conversation about what is this event, what does it mean to the college, and what is your role? We had job descriptions that we drafted for the team captains. So they had a really clear idea of this is the event and this is how you can help. And help, you know, help means making a gift, but help also means raising awareness. So if you're not in a position where you can make a gift, there's still things that you can do to be helpful in a virtual fundraiser. So key strategies. I think the first one is the most important to realize is that this was a larger campaign with a series of smaller campaigns. So if you look at each team with the team captain, there's a mini campaign within that. Our faculty and staff, that was a different campaign. Working with our committee members, that was a different mini campaign. Working with our honorees was a different mini campaign. So how do you put all of these pieces together so that they're working as one? Engaging the team captains, we had regular phone calls with them. We set, set up individual meetings with them. We helped support them in terms of engaging their classmates and providing the resources they need. We typed up letters for them and sent them so that they could just tweak it and personalize it, make it nice and easy on them, and gave them really a list of kind of things that they can do and ways that they can help. So we tried to make it as easy as possible on the people that were volunteering. Matching gifts were critical. We launched the um, the Hold Hope High Scholarship Challenge, our virtual fundraiser, with a $10,000 matching gift. We wound up using five different matching gifts for a total of $55,000. And this really helped us keep the momentum. But it was interesting, too, because we had a matching gift, for example, of $10,000 in support of biology and science majors. So within that, again, we were able to segment a group. And so we had a longtime professor of biology who sent an email to all of our biology and science majors and talked about this matching gift opportunity and asking for their participation. So we had a wonderful response to that. The class of 1967, a classmate said, I would like to do a matching gift challenge to my class. And so they were just ways, and I would highly recommend really looking at that um, and planning that ahead of time so that you know in your limited time frame when you can use these matching gift opportunities and that they're there and really look at who is in your constituent base and what would motivate them to give because it was unique to each different institution. And then another thing we did, looking at the time limit, our initial goal was we wanted to do this in two weeks. We were going to start on Saturday, April 25th, which was supposed to be the night of our gala and go through Friday, May 8th. Well, by May 6th, we only had $200,000. and. Um, we knew we needed to extend this because it was really critical that we hit the goal. We knew we had to do that because we had students that were counting on us. So we used uh, a $20,000 matching gift. And this also was a mini campaign within. We couldn't find anyone to give $20,000. And for us at Chestnut Hill College, that's a major gift. So we had 16 different alumni and friends of the college who came together collectively to provide a $20,000 matching gift challenge. Our graduation was on Friday, May 9th, so it was $20,000 in honor of the 2020 graduating class, and that's how we got to those numbers, and we used that matching gift to extend to uh, Sunday, May 17th. That would give us an extra nine days to raise another $100,000, so ultimately, we hit our goal on May 16th with a $25,000 gift, 
um, at 8.52 p.m. May 13th, a few days before, we uh, received a $25,000 gift, which brought us to $277,000. So it's really interesting to see how this was both a, a virtual fundraiser that comprised a really large, significant component of annual gifts, but how major gifts played a role in that. And the more momentum we built and the more gifts we secured, the more people participated. So we saw some of those major gifts at the end. So just something interesting when you think about it. We had segmented correspondence, as I mentioned. We really dug deep in our Griffin Fund donors, our annual fund, to look for extra gifts to help us along the way. I honestly, we must have made more than 500 phone calls. And for us at Chestnut Hill College, we had over 510 donors, and that's a lot for us. We're a small institution. And annually, we have around 1,400 donors a year. So 500 people made a gift. So we saw an unprecedented level of participation in a, in a moment of crisis. But I think it, part of it was the messaging. And people wanted to participate in something. They wanted to find a way where they could make a difference. So if you can connect your messaging to an opportunity for people to make a difference, I think that's very important. And I think that was part of our success. And they answered the call to help. And our board chair, who's also on our um, gala committee, you know, one of the things that she brought brought up to us in the feedback was every single call she made, people said yes. And when I started asking my team, we realized there wasn't anyone who didn't say no to the call for help. So just, again, something to keep in mind. Leveraging contacts, we went back to our honorees and as we were going through the process of the virtual fundraiser and said, is there anybody else that you know? Is there anyone that you can think of that may be able to help us reach our goal? And they really dug deep. And that was how we closed some of the major gifts towards the end was through the support of our honorees. And we actually exceeded our goal of 365,000. We exceeded our goal of 300,000 on May 16th, but people continued to give after that. And on June 9th, so a couple of weeks after um, our virtual fundraiser ended, we hit $365,000. So yes, you want to, you definitely want to have a start and a finish date, but allow for people to continue to give because sometimes it just takes time. There can be a lot going on in someone's life and it may not be the moment for them to give. Um, but we saw a lot of gifts come in after, after our deadline and after we had hit our goal. We touched upon the video testimonials and how important they are. If you can really make sure you get a diverse group in that, that's really important to keeping people engaged. Affinity group engagement, in addition to our class years, our younger alumni, they identify more with their affinity groups, whether it's a sport, our office of campus ministry, if they were a leader on campus, such as residence life. There's many different ways in which they're connected to the college, and they're the groups that they keep in touch with. So a strategy that worked for some of our older classes uh, was very different than a strategy that worked with our younger classes. And we really wanted to look at what is every single way that we can be inclusive and create opportunities for people to give and create a meaningful experience for them. So we really said not only was there no stone left unturned, it was rolled over. We contacted through all of our volunteers, um, the committee members, and our staff, hundreds of people in a multitude of different ways. And faculty and staff, we had 76 faculty and staff participate, um, which was very important. For other people to know that internally this is being supported as well is very important. As I mentioned, we exceeded our goal, which we are extremely grateful for. Uh, we went into this not knowing what was gonna happen. 
there was a chance that we weren't going to succeed. But we went into it knowing that we had to do this for our students, that we were grounded in our mission, and we had faith, and we worked hard. And I really think that carried us through. And when people saw that the gifts were rising, and that's a good thing about the fundraising software, as soon as you make your gift, you see that number go up and you see the percentage increase. And people like that. They like that instant return, knowing that they made a difference in that moment. So we exceeded our goal uh, by 23%. Our board fundraising goal was $60,000, and they raised over 97000 more than 510 donors and 550 gifts. And other just highlights that came from this, as I mentioned, we saw an unprecedented level of participation all class years, and I'll show you a kind of a snippet of the data. We had a lot of new donors from this. We re-engaged last donors, and surprisingly, a lot of people made their largest gift to the college, whether it was $100 or $2,500, and everywhere in between, people made their largest gift to the college in a moment of national crisis. So just really just think about that for a little bit. Um, as you put all these pieces together, people were willing to give. You just have to ask and make sure that you're asking in the right way. And we also created an opportunity to further engage this group of donors. A lot of conversations happened that we hadn't had in a long time. And then when we think about the impact of this for the future of fundraising in general at our institution, it gives us great hope for other initiatives and just overall participation from our alumni. Our fundraising statistics, these are two snapshots from the website. How many Griffins have signed up for this? 14 total teams, the number of donations. And again, the Griffin here, you can see the percentage. Give, support, and power kind of are, are part of our theme for the fundraiser. And donor statistics, you can see Hold Hope High, the first time that somebody made a gift to Chestnut Hill College, 59 first-time donors. And if you think about how much it costs and how much time to acquire a new donor, it's a lot. And the expenses associated with this event the result is a cost-effective effect, cost way to acquire new donors. And I know we're always looking for ways to do that. And you can just see there were donors who 60% had already made a gift in, this, in the current fiscal year. For us, is July 1 through June 30th. 20% were LIBUNs, so we were able to retain them as donors. And our re-engaged donor down here, long last, had not given since 1989 and lived in England. We literally are in Philadelphia and had donors all the way from California to England and everywhere in between. So if you think about your event traditionally incorporates people who can attend, so they have to be in close proximity. When you have a virtual fundraiser like this, you open it up to everyone. This is just a closer look at the new donor stats. You can see across all class years from the 90s, and that's an area where we we're really trying to focus engagement and new donors. But all class years, we had new donors from classes of 1954 to 67. That's amazing. Our young alumni, new schools, new friends, even new tribute and vendor donors. And we were able to engage our previous donors as well, which is important. We don't want to lose anyone. So as you saw, people making their largest gift to the college, there were 60. 60 people made their largest gift to the college during a very unprecedented time. And again, you can see it through all class years. So there was participation really from everyone. And then people who have given this amount before were 50. So if we look at the budget, and I think this is something really important, um, committee members were very curious about this. What does it cost? We had already purchased honoree gifts. And as I mentioned, we had printing and postage for our gala invite. And we had an honoree videos that we made. So we were able to utilize some of those video clips as videos that we posted on our website. We sent them out in emails, but we had to reprint as well. But 
is looking at just over $10,000. And, you know, whether you choose to include the cost of the fundraising software of 8500 you know, that's still, okay, just under $19,000. We didn't really include it because we use the software throughout the year. We have a one-year contract, so it's, it's utilized in other ways at the institution. But our previous budget for the gala was $58,000, so 12% of the total raised. Either way you look at it, 3% or 5%, it's still a significant decrease um, from the 12% cost to raise a dollar. So it's just interesting to see what those numbers look like. Also, with regard to the year before, we raised 500000 Only 243 of that was realized within that fiscal year. The rest is spread over um, through pledges and commitments over time. Everything that we raised was within this fiscal year um, with some money coming in in July. And we realized 97% of all the commitments. Another benefit to using the software is there's an option for people to include the fee of their gift. And 90% of our donors chose to do that. So that's almost over $2,800 that covers fees that you wouldn't, that doesn't happen when, unless you use software for your gala. But traditionally for us, this was something new and something different. And again, every dollar counts and every dollar makes a difference. So with all that said, what's next? We had our first gala committee meeting last week. And what we saw from this is, we want to have a hybrid event, and there's a couple reasons why. The traditional gala brings people together that love the gala, and they want to continue to do that. But opening up, opening it up to a virtual fundraiser allows to be more inclusive. More people can participate. You can introduce your mission to a whole new group of people that you haven't otherwise. You maximize engagement, outreach, and opportunities to give. And through this, we've also expanded and diversified our committee because the committee that the committee members that we had that ran a successful virtual, a successful in-person gala needed to be expanded upon to be more inclusive of all the people that we could reach out to using a, vir a virtual fundraiser. And again, I can't emphasize enough, remain grounded in mission. It's so important and people respond to it. You know, at Chestnut Hill College, they came because they wanted that values-based education. And that's a differentiator for us, as I'm sure it is for you on this call as well. And the last part, our website is still up. I encourage you, if you'd like to, to visit it, chc.edu backslash hope. It'll be live at minimum through April 2021. But you can see here, there's an about section. We had our mission up there. We had a, a video, a welcome from our president, Sister Carol Jean Vale. All of our video were on there. We had a section on our committee. But anything that falls in the about category, our students, as we featured a video, it went up on the main page website, and then it was transferred over to our students so that we kind of have a history of their story. And you can go back and look at all the different videos and testimonials that are up there. Griffin Galleries, as I said, this had a more of a social media engagement aspect to it. So you could have your own gallery. Suppose the, uh, the 1990s scene, they wanted to post pictures from the 90s, which were great to go back and look at. But all the class years did that in one way, shape, or form, and they really took advantage of posting photos. Finding a team, you can click on that. You can see all of the teams, how much they raised, how many members of the team, how many people gave through each team, and then make a gift, of course. Um, and I can imagine there are probably some questions. Hey, Erin, can you talk a little bit about uh, cultivating the, the major gifts? Uh, did it start with a phone call? Did it start with a video? What did it start with? I, I think it's important for everybody to know 
how many of those major gifts came right out of that, those phone calls? The majority of them. That was all phone calls. We had a couple sponsorships that came in early, but there was only a handful. And I would say one of them was, I think, $25,000 and the rest were around the, the five dollars $10,000 mark. But a lot of it just came from the phone calls and the interactions and really just also talking to our honorees about who they knew that they felt would be supportive and just looking at members of our community that were closest to us that we, we thought could support us um, in a very transformative way during this time. Thank you. All right, we've got a few other questions that have come in. And if you know participants on the call, if you still have questions, please keep sending them through the Q&A chat on Zoom. But we've got one that says, I'm involved with a nonprofit who canceled the gala this year in April. What app do you suggest is the best one to use to hold a virtual gala and fundraise in the same app? We used OneCause, and we used that because it had an, um, an auction feature. And that's usually part that people like to, to keep. And we would, have kept the, um, we would have kept the auction except for the fact that this year we had focus on experiential opportunities. So one of them was a boat ride in Avalon. And so with the pandemic, that's some, not something that you could offer. So we didn't have more tangible items. Gift Campus was another option that we looked at um, and really very seriously considered. And had we not wanted the software feature for the auction, excuse me, we would have went with Gift Campus. They were our two top options. Okay. And then this one is, so for the $10,000 donor, you posted that any other donor who made a gift up to $10,000 would be matched by the original donor. Does that mean the original donor would give up to another $10,000? No, it was just that $10,000. So they would match up to 10,000, but just that $10,000 amount, not to exceed it. Okay. Somebody asked what software platform did you use? But I think that's gonna be the same as the app. Jessica, I do wanna ask if you had any others that came in through the Whova. The CanDo 60s did particularly well over 100 gifts. Did they do anything special or different than the other groups? The 60s are a really interesting decade at the college. They, many of those class years, have remained connected literally since they graduated. And they have class presidents that keep everyone connected. They have, um, a lot of our reunion classes have their own Facebook pages. But really, the 60s, they are, they are so active. They are so engaged. Um, they're really, what I would say, are an exemplary uh, model for engagement, um, and that includes giving. They did also have a challenge within that class, the class of 1967, and I think that also helped inspire some gifts. So it's really just um, looking at that group, but they're, they are so supportive year in and year out um, and through and through, and they're, I think it's that connection um, and engagement over the years. And then we've got another one. My question is about the fees collected by the online online platform you used. Was that a consideration when you chose which one to use? Actually, it was, yes. Um, it's not something that we were aware of going into it or had thought about. But when you think about each time you make a gift and they charge you, I mean, sometimes you're looking at up to 10%. So it, it definitely helps. And I believe Give Campus offers that as well. But every little dollar along the way makes a difference. And to see that 90% of the people who made a gift chose to, to exercise that option, I would definitely keep that in mind if you're looking at different softwares. And then what comp components of your live event did you include during the kickoff night of the virtual event? 
we didn't. And that's something that we really went back and forth on and had a lot of discussion about. What we decided with the committee is that because we were so early into the pandemic, once the quarantine started, it didn't feel right to be celebratory. And it didn't feel right at that time to carry over any of those components. And I think at that moment in time, we made the right decision. I also think now that we're far enough out from the start of the pandemic that people are looking for positive things. They are looking for something to be a part of. And I think it would be okay now to bring that back, to have that virtual aspect of the gala, whether it's you have an MC um, and maybe your, your committee chair that kick off the evening together, um, have that online version of your auction. People are definitely interested in that and different ways that you can do it. And then if you can carry different components of your events through, but I would, if you're going to do an online virtual gala, I would absolutely have some type of kickoff event with your MC or your chair, or the president, some well-known faces at the organization that people know and can connect with and will be excited to see. I just think at the time that we did it, people weren't quite ready for it, but people are looking for positive things to be engaged with right now? And that's a great question. This one seems to be kind of about the raffle. It says, when you were talking gift, was it money only or physical gifts? If physical gifts, how did you auction raffle them off? All of our auction items were experiential, as I had mentioned. So we didn't didn't have anything that we could auction off. And all the, the gifts that we raised, that was all cash. We didn't have anything in kind. We usually, we would in previous events. And previously, we would do raffles such as a 50-50, but that's not something that we did this year. We really just kind of stuck to gifts being made online through the virtual fundraiser. And part of it, too, is that we had five weeks to transition from a gala to the virtual fundraiser. So we had to kind of pick some things, focus on them with the intent of, of doing them well, because we had 10 members of our staff. And really, here's another important thing is that when you look at hosting an in-person event, the amount of time and effort that you put into that it's the same thing with a virtual event. It just looks a little bit different. So you have to plan all the resources that you would normally have in terms of human resources. You know, all the people that work really hard to make sure that all these different components come together, you still need them. It's just recognizing what those different needs are, making sure you have that tech support, the different volunteers, the messaging, all of these pieces. Um, you'll put in just as much time and effort to run a successful virtual fundraiser as you will for an in-person event. Those three weeks and even leading up to it, we, my team and Changing Our World, we met every single day for about an hour and a half in the morning. And that's how we started our mornings. And we had a uh, text message with everybody on it. So as we went through and we were securing gifts, we would text so-and-so made a, a $10,000 gift. So-and-so made a $500 gift. We wanted to make sure that we weren't overlapping efforts, um, that we were coordinated on every front. Each morning, you know, we had the communication schedule, the Changing Our World managed for us, which was a huge help. We all looked at it. We knew what was going to happen that day. We knew it was scheduled. And we knew we planned out the next like five days to a week, knowing that you had to be flexible to allow for changes. Because how are people going to respond? And so their responses are always built into what you do for the next day. And so things are, are constantly evolving and changing. So you have to be flexible enough to know that, okay, this is our plan, but that could change at any given moment. And that definitely happens sometimes throughout the course. Did you get another matching gift? Did you need another matching gift to help build momentum? You know, we have more videos to share. And as time went on, more and more people wanted to be involved, which was also exciting, um, but it also creates more work, but good work. But making sure you have those open channels of communication with your team. I mean, if it's daily meetings, that's fine during the course of those, those weeks that you're running your virtual event. But I, I do recommend often communication 
and that text messaging really seemed to work well. It kept us connected. Great. Well, Erin, it looks like that's all of the questions that we have. So thank you both you and, and Anna. And don't forget everyone that you know you can, can contact speakers through the app too, if you think of other questions. We just want to thank um, Aaron and Chestnut Hill College also for giving us the opportunity to work with such a great team and have it move towards a very successful event. So Aaron, kudos to you and all your teams for a great job. Well done. Thank you. We are very grateful to Changing Our World for their support. It helped us uh, realize the success we did. And we're very grateful for the opportunity to share our story. And I would say you can do this. Anyone can do this. It is possible. You know, you go into it with the right attitude of positivity and you get the right message and the right people around you and, and you can make it happen. And I think, Anna, you really, when you opened up the conversation saying, you know, it's different words, it's a different way about of going about it. You pivot, you adjust. Always keep that in mind because we can do anything we put our minds to. It's hard, but you can do it. Well, thank you again both so much. And everybody have a great rest of the day and we'll see you at the sessions after lunch. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Aaron and Anna for being on our show today. I'll leave a link to the full video presentation of Aaron's slide deck. And again, congratulations to the entire Chestnut Hill College community on this terrific success. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to Pottery Studios and the Changing Our World podcast team for their support of our show. If you'd like to leave a comment about today's show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com and just click on leave a voicemail. I'd love to get your feedback. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a great week, and thanks for all you do to advance the mission of our church. Take care, and God bless.